0: thinking about that last song that we sang, there's that line, that refrain, this is the air I breathe, right? This is the air I breathe, and then, then, it, then it links it, your very word spoken to me. What I want to do today is just, just kind of want to have heart to heart with you guys about, um, about a book that I've fallen in love with and um, what that song is talking about, God's word, and what it's come to mean to me and, and what I hope it means for you and in the process helping you get all that God has to say to you out of it. Um, See, so God's up to something in this world. He, uh, he has a story. And God's story is, is written on the pages of history. God, God has been up to something in this world and, and he's taking it Somewhere, And it's so, so easy to miss. If you're not careful, it, it can go away from you in just like a breath, you know? But but God throughout history has been revealing himself and, and where he is taking this thing called life in the universe and the world. And showing himself to people and places. And, and, and this, this story that God has... And the story that he's still unfolding, guys, I really have sincerely come to believe it is the power to transform. It has the power to change people's lives. It is the power to to impact and change this world. And God takes this story, and then he invites us, he invites you to make it your story. He says, in essence, this, be a part of my story. Be a character in my drama that's unfolding. Be a part of where we have been and where we are going because you have a role to play. And I want you to be in this story. And it's when we're in that story and accessing this story that God speaks to us. It's where I find that God comes to us and guys, straight up, it's where I find that God starts getting in our lives and, and just doing some things that are just, whoa. And so what I want to do today is just kind of share some of my own journey with this story. But, but more importantly, I want to help you with this story right here. How to, how to access it, how to read it, how to get into it, how to make the most of it, and, and how to help see God's message and role for you Does it make sense? So that's what we're going to be jumping into um, this morning. And um, it really comes down to three things that I just want to share with you on that arena. Um, you got to read it. It sounds kind of banal, doesn't it? But at some point, if God has a story, you just got to get to know the story for yourself. This has to go beyond just listening to what other people have to say about it or how other people portray it that's good and that has a place and that can be valuable. But at some level, you just got to get into it for yourself. Now, I know I'm speaking to some of you here today and you're hearing this and like you're dying inside because you hate to read. Or you might like to read, but for whatever reason, you don't like to read the Bible, and so you hear me say something like, God's story has the power to transform, and God has this invitation to you, and it's here in this book, and you're like, great, you, you know, fantastic. But guys, I have found at some level, you just have to access the story for yourself. If you're here today and you hate to read, at some level, there's something to just saying, I'm going to stick with it. I remember a season in my life where I didn't like to read. And I certainly didn't like to read the Bible. But I had impressed on me. I had been told. I had been drilled into my head. This is good. This is powerful. There's life. So you kind of do that obligatory thing, right? You're forcing. You're just doing it tooth and nail. I swear, I think for like three years, all I did was like flirt in the book of Judges. Because at least in the book of Judges, you had like political intrigue, blood, and guts. You know what I mean? If that's where you got to begin, that's great. Read the story. You'll find God start to do something in you in more ways than one. Read the story. I know that there's some of you here that when I talk about the Bible, it immediately starts to well up a history and a past, and I don't mean a good one. Maybe your, your, your parents were religious in all the wrong ways. And from early on in your life, God was someone who was thrust upon you in all the wrong ways and you came to dread it instead of hunger for it. Maybe you've been around people in your life that thought the best reason to have a soft cover Bible is that when they hit you with it, it wouldn't leave a mark. You know what I mean? People who used it more as a tool to to belittle, to stand in their own sense of smug self-satisfaction and bolster their own ego and cut you down and point out why you're wrong and they're right, even if it isn't true to the story. May I suggest to you today that it's time for therapy. And I don't mean that facetiously. It is time for therapy to start recovering and rediscovering the real message, not the distorted one. The good news, not the bad news as it has become, that God has for you. And it starts just by reading it. Now, there's some of you here who have tried this. You've tried this and you get in and you've like felt hopelessly lost. Can we just have like a moment of honesty today? Who has ever read the Bible at some point in their life and like what the heck? right? Look at that. You are in good company. If you've raised your hand, I've got good news for you. You're human and you're normal, okay? Because it can be a thick, confusing, tough book that's talked about in so many ways that can be so misconstrued and so misrepresented. Guys, that's okay. And there's some of you here that when you've come and you've tried to read the Bible or you still read the Bible today and you say that you like it, you're not actually reading it. You're treasure hunting. You know how this works? You open up to something, you try to read two chapters, you kind of gloss through 38 while you think about what's on your to-do list and what's on TV and you're just kind of doing the time until you come across like three words that you like in verse 18. Like, oh, okay, good stuff. And you shut it and you go on your way. But you haven't learned how to follow the contours of an argument, to trace an author's line of thought, how to, how to compare it against what other authors have said, how to examine, like, how is he using figure of speech in allusion, Maybe you don't even know what an illusion is. But it's there that God's richness starts coming to unfold. At some point, you just got to read it for yourself. And the point is not to have it all figured out. You can study this story for a lifetime, and people have... And still discover depths of wonder and awe and newness daily. It's not to go in and say, I know everything. I have it all figured out. I love what the scriptures say. There's this this psalm, 119, longest chapter in the Bible, and it's all about God's story. And there's this little verse in there that says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Now, I don't use my feet, I drive. And I don't walk on paths, I go on roads. How about you? And when I'm driving down a road, and when I want to know where I'm going, I want a map, I want a destination, I want GPS telling me every turn, I want I-90 when it's at night and it's dark, right? Every single square inch is floodlighted, brighter than the sun the entire way. You know what I mean? And people often go to the Bible, to life, to God's story that way. But have you ever been out in the woods, out camping out somewhere dark, with a flashlight or a lantern or a lamp? Something more true, well maybe not the flashlight part. Something more true, probably to the context of their world. It ain't I-90. It lights three steps, five steps, ten steps ahead. Oftentimes in this journey and story with God, we don't see every step all the way to the end. But he gives us light for what's right before us. And reading the Bible is the exact same way. Don't go in trying to have it all figured out to know everything going on. Lord, show me more of your story today. Now, I have found adults absolutely stink at this. We stink at this so bad it's not even funny. And here's why. Adults don't like to fail. As adults, we don't like to fail. We we resist failure. We see failure as weakness. And, And I find that as we come into adulthood, we come to find that we get to be pretty used to being good at something. We've had a track record of developing it in our life to this point. We've learned skills that when we pick up something for the first time, we can kind of engage with it fairly quickly. But have you ever had those moments where you came into something completely brand new? You're like, I have no context for what's going on. What do you do? You push it away, you leave it to the experts, and you move on to other things, right? But have you ever watched a kid? Kids, by and far, aren't afraid to fail. I mean, failure is like their way of life. Okay, seriously, have you ever gone to like a junior high band concert, you know, or football game, or the worst of the worst, a theatrical performance? Right? Their life is marked and riddled by failure. Right? It is. Do they care? They love it. Why is it that we try to expose our kids to everything under the sun, whether we think there's natural aptitude or not, because they love to learn, because there's something in learning that is, that is really about failing. It's about failing forward, because learning at its core and reading at its core is going, there is something I don't know, and that's Okay. There are some of you here that are going to come to the Bible or have come to it in the past, and you're like, ah, what do I do with this? That is okay, because if you have a spirit to learn, to say, Lord, I don't know. I don't know what this means, but show me the way. You will fail forward in the most amazing ways. I love this, this, this one episode with Jesus. He, uh, he's teaching a bunch of adults, and then these kids start, like, flocking them, and the adults get ticked. Well, the disciples specifically get ticked. And, and, and then Jesus says these sage words. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. May I suggest the same? Anyone who will not come to the Bible like a little child will never enter it as well, at some point, you've just got to read it and start discovering what you don't know firsthand in God's story for yourself. Now let's talk about some bad words. Here's the second thing, and I know you're going to hate this. At some point, you've got to start studying it. Now, study, research, it's become so, 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 so myopically viewed, in my opinion, today. May I suggest to you that what I'm saying here is simply this. Study and research is about asking questions. At some point, you have to take what you don't understand, what you don't know, and what you are coming across as you read, and start asking it questions. Now I want to give an example to you today of, of how to do this and, and what I mean. So uh, someone give me a passage, all right? Give me a passage. John 10, 10. What do you got? John 10.10. 10. John 10, 10. All right, open up to John 10.10 10 with me. Now maybe you don't know the Bible well and you don't know where John 10.10 10 is. That's okay. It's okay not to know. Open the table of contents. Find John. It's in the New Testament. It's the fourth gospel. Fourth book you'll see listed in the New Testament. The first 10 refers to the chapter. The second 10 refers to the verse, a nice address system that some people built in so it's easy to find. John ten ten. This is what it says. I'll give you a second to get there. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. And have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Now who at this point is already tuned out? Who at this point is already, what Shepherds, sheep. Th- what are you talking about? That's cool. That's okay. It's about failing forward. So what I do when I look at a text like this is I start saying things like this. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Who is this thief? Who, who is this thief being referred to? What is being talked about here? How am I supposed to understand this thief? And why is this thief coming to also kill and destroy? Most thieves that I know just steal. So what's going on there? And who is the I? I have come that they may have life to the full. Who is the I referring to? Is it me? Is it my buddy? Who's the speaker here? And what's this kind of life that he's talking about? And what does it mean to have life to the full? I mean, does that mean like my diastolic is like under one twenty over eighty or something? Or, or, or what's going on? And and why are they in contrast to each other? And, and what's their history? What's their story? Do these guys have a track record together or is this something new? Does the audience hearing this have certain ideas about what a thief would be like? I wonder what a thief is like in the ancient world. Did they use like cybercrime back then or did they steal in other ways? How would I expect a thief to break into my house or kill or destroy and how would I protect against it? Now you just keep going with this and what does it have to do with shepherds? How did we go from thieves to shepherds? And who's the shepherd with the sheep? And why do a sheep know his voice? Does he like speak lamb or something like that? I I mean, how does this, 80% of these questions you will never get answers to. But see what I did? You've just got to start asking. And after that, you start asking more. Has the author talked about these things in other places, in other ways, and if these are figures of speech are there others figures of speech that is used as well? And why does he say it where he says it in the story? How does it take place and where he's taking me? What does it say before and after and how does it fit in the weave? And if I've read a little bit more and realized this is one of four stories about Jesus, how might this compare or not compare with what the other authors have said about Jesus? And how does that bring to light something that this guy named John, who wrote 1010, wants to bring? You just got to start asking it questions. And this is where other teachers come in. This is where we are so blessed to be able to learn from people, who have gone before us, who have thought to ask questions that we now may just be asking, who have thought to ask questions that we never even thought to ask. I got a good friend, grew up in a church that said, "It's the Bible only." No, nothing else. You just read the Bible only. Don't, don't bog yourself down in those other kinds of things. It was always kind of couched in a sense of piety, kind of in an idea that Christianity is not about knowledge. It's about a living relationship with, with God, about love and service, they would say. They would couch in the idea that, 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 that God can speak and reveal himself to, to the simplest most naive and uneducated among us, which I agree. But you know, the reality is it was just a false piety. It was really just a mask for a stubborn arrogance. A stubborn arrogance that said, there's nothing I can learn from anyone else about the Bible. Guys, would you like to have three Bible scholars who kind of speak your language and get your personality and understand what you're about, gathered there with you every time you've read the thing. I've got good news for you. You can. They are called books. (laughs) These amazing men and women of God who have poured themselves into trying to understand God's story, have written so many amazing things about books of the Bible and verses of the Bible to help guide you. I brought a couple here today. One of them are called commentaries, they can be short. Here's just some insights on the whole Gospel of Luke. And then there's this Isaiah 56 to 66, one of five <laughs> volumes. You know what I mean? people writing for us at every level, and there are more of these than can fill this room. But see, here's the real question. Do you care? Because at some level, you've got to care enough to dig for it, to seek it out, to start looking for answers and insights into the questions of God's story and your life that you have. I think about what Jesus said. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. And I wonder how many times is there something so amazing that God has to say. But we just don't take the time to seek to knock to search it out I want to encourage you to that journey today now if that wasn't an ugly enough word I'm going to give you one more start memorizing it yeah I know right start ingesting it and making it Your own. I've shared this with many of you in the past. In school, the only report card grade I've ever gotten an F on was memory. Went to a Christian school, K through eight, and it was a class, memory. You had to memorize the Bible. Well, not the whole Bible, parts of the Bible, passages of the Bible. Only grade I ever got an F on because I just didn't do it, I hated it oh, I hated it. So I would do what a lot of guys would do. It would be like eight seconds before class and the teacher was calling you up and you'd have to recite it one-on-one and you're like bringing the Bible, looking up, trying to get every word. And then you get up there and it's like, um, I think there was a the in there. You know what? It's like these five verse, five word verses they had us to memorize. I remember I went to a public high school in large part because I never wanted to take a class called Memory or Religion Again. Oh, does God have a sick sense of humor, (laughs) right? It was not until I got to the seminary that I had a a love awakened for memorizing. And it wasn't because of some great classwork or anything like that. It was about this dude. His name was Paul. Just in passing, we were were talking, and it came up, and he just kind of said in passing that he and his wife were memorizing Philippians. And I went, wait, wait. Like, Philippians what? (laughs) Philippians. Philippians? Philippians. I don't even know how to say Philippians. Yeah, we're memorizing Philippians. They were memorizing Philippians. What kind of sick freak does that? (laughs) Simultaneously, I was listening to this radio program. It was a guy named uh, Hank Hanegraaff, the the Bible Answer Man. People would call in with all kinds of questions uh, on the Bible, and he would answer them in real time there on the spot. But but it never failed. There was this track record. People would call in about, well, a subject matter called eschatology. Basically means end times kind of stuff. And he would never answer them. Or, or better put, he would always answer them in a specific way. He would always say, you know, I just don't feel like I know enough about this subject yet to give you a solid answer that I can confidently put my feet on. And he would leave it at that. Now, one time I remember this caller um, phoned in and got him to kind of open up a little more. And he started to share his journey a little bit. He said, you know, I I realized how, how much I didn't know. And what was cool is that it didn't scare him off. It didn't defeat him. But it put him on a quest to ask, to seek, to knock, and he said, so I started trying to read everything I could get my hands on to understand this subject better. But he said, the more I read, the more I realized that half the authors I was reading didn't have a clue what they were talking about. So I decided that I had to start memorizing it for myself. I had to start Making what the Bible has to say on this topic my own. And so he started to say, it began, I I started by memorizing like Mark 13 and Matthew 24. I started by by memorizing certain passages out of like Zechariah. I I memorized the book of Revelation and then I went to memorizing sections of Daniel and, and she stopped him. She went, wait a minute, you memorized the book of Revelation? You know what his answer was? It's only 404 verses. Think about it. If you were to memorize a verse a day, you would have the book of Revelation memorized in a little over a year. And I think of how much time I spent on Netflix. (laughs) You've got to start making it your own. Believe me, I know some of you have tuned me out right now. Okay, I want to see a show of hands here. There are people in this world who love to run. They just love to run. Or they don't love it, but they're committed to it. You you know what I mean? You know those kind of sick, twisted freaks? I don't want to know who you are. I want to see the hands of people in this room who don't run. Okay, who doesn't run? Okay, look around the room, right? Good company. You might not be able to outrun these people, but you can outpower them, all right? Um, (laughs) Have you ever tried running recently recently? is it not the most painful, horrible human thing you can ever do in the existence of life, right? It's like you you take like eight steps and you're out of breath. It's like, okay, time to sit down. That was a good start for today. You know what I mean? It is horrible. It is horrible when you begin. But you talk to some of these runners and you realize they began in the exact same place. I remember talking to my friend Paul and hearing this guy, and I made a decision for myself that day. You know what? I'm going to memorize a book, too. I'm going to memorize Colossians. Why Colossians? I don't know. I like the letter C. I'm going to memorize Colossians. It just kind of, whatever, I'm going to do it. This is the guy who wouldn't memorize five-word verses earlier in his life, but so be it, I'm going to do it. And I remember, what, I remember this vividly beginning. I opened up. I read Colossians 1.1. It said this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Okay, do I need to memorize that? Do I need to memorize that, really? So no, you're going to memorize Colossians. I'm going to get that. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. 11 words, right? It was murder. It was, I mean, it's like, I would read it. Okay, can I recite it back? Crickets, you know? And I don't mean out there, I mean in here. More common occurrence than you might realize. <laughs> I'd try to memorize it. I'd work it over. I'd pour over it over again and again. I'd write it out a few times. Can I get it? No. Don't have I would work it over. It would finally start to stick. I would finally get to the point where I could say it back to myself. I'd come back to an hour later. Do I remember it? Nope. It was like running for the first time. My mind was so un- trained. It was just so weak at its ability to recollect and retain. But I stuck with it. I just said, I'm going to do a verse a day. I'm just going to try and do a verse a day and try to get 1-1 one, one on day one and 1-1 one, one and 2 on day two and let it build on itself and something started to happen slowly unwittingly without me even realizing it it started to come quicker it started to stick longer the time it took me to get it down started to decrease it became more nimble you know what i mean but something better happened See, I noticed something started to happen. The Bible, which I always kind of treated as this passive book, this book that just you read it, then you move on, it started to stick with me throughout the day. Because when you try to memorize something, you got to think about it again and again. I found myself going back. Huh, do I know it? Just be driving in the car. Do I know it? I found myself kind of going back, and it started to take up shop with me, to, to live with me, to kind of root with me. I noticed it started to do something else as well. Couldn't have put my finger on it, but it started to kind of mess with me. It started to change me, not just the way I thought, but the way I would feel. Because of certain negative thoughts that I'd become so addicted to in my life would come spiraling in. Colossians was there as well. And I wasn't a victim anymore to those things that I was thinking and feeling. As I would hear things or face things that would normally trigger me in a negative way, Colossians was there as well. I wasn't seeking it, it was just there. It had become a part of me and I started to think differently and feel differently and act differently and suddenly things started to change because I'll tell you, there is no substitute for ingesting God's story and making it a part of yours in a personal, intimate way Is well. See, God is up to something in this world. He's taking us someplace. And he's revealed himself and he takes this story and he invites us to make it our story as well. And it doesn't really go any farther than starting to read it. Starting to study it. Starting to memorize it and make it your own. But you know, there's one other piece as well. You got to be willing to change. Because learning is about change. Learning is about going from something I don't know to something I do know. But learning is more than that. It's going from, some, from a way of seeing the world to now seeing it differently. I hope I don't believe the same things three years from now that I do today. I hope I'm not the same person three years from now that I am today. I hope this church isn't the same church it is three years from now as it is today. Because for me... To say I don't want it to change is to say I've got it all figured out. God's pretty much done with me. Thank you very much. I found that when you come to God's story, you've got to come with that humbleness like a little child God, God here I am, willing to learn, willing to fail, willing to change. i tell you guys, if you open that door, God will mess with you. He will mess with you in all the right ways. He will come to you. He will speak to you. He will convict you. He will bring things up that you would rather not be brought up. He will show you things that you don't want to see that maybe you didn't want to think about. He'll reveal steps in the path that he has for you that you might not have even known were possibilities. I think because it is so hard and so scary, it's why we put up a wall. It's why we kind of keep it at bay. Give me a little bit, thank you very much, but no more than that. But God invites you to take his story and make it your own. And that's the challenge I want to give to you today. Next week, we're beginning a 40-week journey through God's story. With it, we're going to have a reading plan for you, a way that you can just be reading the Bible every day in in, in small bits. We're going to have study sheets for you, ways to take it. that will point out resources and questions and things that you can dig in to take the story deeper. We will have memory challenges for you, ways to take God's story and make it your own. But guys, what I pray is that you come next week with a heart open to shift, a heart open to shift to change because in that place, I'll tell you, my experience has been, God will show up. He'll come. He'll speak. It's where transformation begins. So I wanna invite you to rise today. And uh, I want to invite you to pray with me as, as the man comes forward. I'm going to pray this. This this. It's an ancient prayer. It's it's a creed, a, a statement of faith that believers have been gathering around for for centuries. Just pray these words with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth.